This is Zach Hapsensall, CEO and co-founder of Rise48 Equity. At Rise48, we've completed over $1.7 billion in total transactions, including 11 successful full-cycle dispositions. If you're looking to invest with an experienced sponsor in either the Phoenix, Arizona, or Dallas, Texas markets, then set up a call with us today at rise48equity.com backslash invest. That's R-I-S-E 48equity.com backslash invest. We were taught that investing in a 401k is a good thing. Well, you know, start asking some questions and you might realize it may not necessarily be the best thing for you. Hello, left fielders. Welcome to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. Our community is focused on networking and education to help people invest passively and think differently. Let's go. This is Chris Miles, and you are listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. I'm excited today to have Dave Wolcott with us. He's the founder and CEO of Pantheon Investments and helps investors build wealth by passively investing in real estate and alternative assets that provide predictable cash flow, tax efficiency, and upside potential as a reliable alternative to the volatility of the stock market. And that is exactly what this audience and, and me, what we want to talk about. Uh, he's also the host of the Wealth Strategy Secrets of the Ultra Wealthy podcast. Dave, welcome to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. Hey, Jim, really grateful to be here and connect with you and your audience today. Yeah, we're excited about this. So let's just dive in. You know, the first question I always ask is, what's your journey? How did you, you know, get to be where you are? How'd you find real estate? How'd you get into wealth building? And how'd you get into helping people do that? Yeah, sure, Jim. So uh, for me, I was raised in a middle class family in Connecticut, and I was taught that the traditional recipe for success was to go to school, get good grades, you're going to get a job and life would just work out for you, right? So I kind of followed that conventional wisdom. Uh, I went to school in D.C. at George Washington University and actually did the ROTC program and had the opportunity to serve my country in the Marine Corps. And uh, spent four years traveling the world, um, being shot at and, and learning some different things there, including things that they really don't teach you anywhere else in the world. Things such as leadership, uh, teamwork and integrity that are just so important. After I transitioned from the Marines, I got into uh, the tech industry, uh, transitioned into the corporate world. And a couple of years after, Jim, I tell you, I was just, you know, quickly frustrated uh, by losing that same sense of purpose and mission uh, that really drove me in the Marine Corps. And then at the same time, my wife and I were uh, raising a family. We had actually an 18-month-old toddler running around. And on October 24th, 2000, uh, we actually welcomed triplets into the world and quadrupled the size of our family. So I can tell you as the you know primary breadwinner of my family, Jim, I mean, I, you know, this, this is stuff you read about in the news and see uh, in the newspaper. And, you know, knowing that I needed to provide for financial security for my family, um, you know, I had to sit down with my financial planner right away. And he told me basically the advice that he gave me was the same thing every other one had told me, which was max out your 401k. You've got more kids. Well, we have these things called 529 plans, right? That they're tax advantage college plans, right? And and just this basic, you know, advice. And at that point, 
I, I just knew, Jim, I, I knew that, you know, real wealth, real legacy wealth was not being made as a retail investor in the stock market and taking traditional financial advice. So it really propelled me on this obsessive journey to figure out how are the top 1% actually building their wealth, right? So I started pouring into books, resources, networking, investing in all kinds of deals, everything from uh, raw land to oil and gas to single family rentals, multifamily rentals, retail, office. I mean, you name it, all kinds of different asset classes uh, for the next 20 years. And, you know, fast forward to today, and we really built Pantheon as a way to really give back to people and try to share all of these learnings and all the mistakes that I made over these 20 years. How can we collapse those mistakes and accelerate, you know, other investors' journeys, right, by getting away from that traditional thinking and really trying to create ultimately, you know, the freedom in your life that you're looking for. Not only freedom of money, but freedom of purpose to do what it is you want to do, freedom of time, and also freedom of relationships. That's great. That, that's a great introduction. And I, and I do want to dig into that. There, you know, you mentioned freedom of relationships. So let's just start there because so much of what you said makes sense to me, right? Collapsing mistakes and accelerating others is kind of the, the whole purpose for left field investors, right? Because we want to learn from others' mistakes so we don't have to do those. It's shortcuts so that you can find, oh, somebody did this and it didn't work out for them and they learned something, share that with them. So what do you mean that it's to achieve freedom of money, purpose, time, and relationship? Can you explain each one of those four and, and just talk about it a little bit? Absolutely, Jim. I really love the whole topic of investor psychology. So as I was going through my journey, there were so many times where, you know, you're just thinking about what's the ROI on this investment. If I only had X in net worth or X in passive income, but you really have to start asking yourself, you know, subsequent questions. Why? What, what does hitting a certain passive income goal actually do for you? How is that going to change your life? Right? Is it going to enable you to, you know, travel the world with your family? Is it going to enable you time freedom to be able to spend time, like, let's say, focusing on the charity or something that's important to you? Right? So, so really, unpacking this this overarching topic of financial freedom right which i think is really you, you know i mean it goes back to maslow's hierarchy right really with financial security as kind of a base layer and then you're trying to evolve to this financial freedom but what does that actually mean it means having freedom of money so you have money to be, be able to basically create you know different experiences in your life that you might not have otherwise had uh right you can go on trips with your family you you, you weren't able to do you could take a six-month sabbatical if you wanted to do that, you could take a two year sabbatical, you know, things like that. So, so the freedom of money is important, but also look at these other concepts, right? Like such as freedom of purpose is everyone out there on this, on this call today. Do you wake up every day fascinated and motivated by the work that you're doing? I know I am, and it took me a while to get there, but that purpose is so important, right? Because that's what's, you know, really drives us. Having freedom of time to be able to spend the day, you know, like you want to do, right? I was able to spend this morning, you know, working on my morning routine, uh, exercising, focusing on my health, uh, doing some journaling, 
um, and some really, you know, deep thinking and problem solving and innovation. And that's why I love to start my day, right? Are you able to control the time in your day? We all have the same 24 hours in a day, right? But are you really maximizing it? That's giving you absolutely your fullest potential, right? And then let's talk about relationships, right? What is the quality of relationships in your life with your spouse, with your kids, with your circle of friends, right? Are they taking you closer towards your vision? Or are they actually pulling you back, right? Are we investing in those? That's great. You know, I've, I've heard people talk about, you know, the money freedom, time freedom, and people have danced around uh, purpose freedom a little bit too, but I haven't heard relationship freedom and, and that that's a new one. So can you kind of go a little bit deeper on that and, and how you look at that in, in your life? And is that is that just making sure you're focusing on the proper quality relationships and maybe jettisoning some of the, the ones that are, that are getting in the way? Or how, how do you look at that? Yeah, good question, Jim. So really, I mean, just think about it in all facets. So the team that we've built in our company are people that I really like spending time with. They inspire me. They motivate me. Uh, they get things done. We work in our own unique abilities. Uh, to produce results, right, for our clients, uh, that's really exciting, right? So e even from kind of a work standpoint, and I've spent many years, you know, in my life, you know, working for that boss that you just don't agree with, right? You, 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 and, and it's very frustrating, right? Spending, you know, 50% of your waking hours with someone you don't agree with. And how about, you know, particular family members or even friends, right? Are they actually holding you back? from realizing your potential because as jim Rohn says you're a you, you know you're a product of the five people that you spend most of your time with so are those people actually frustrating you when you go and you have a discussion around passive income and investing in real estate or doing something non-traditional are those other people just talking about how much they put in their 401k this year right and that's really, you know, that's really frustrating. And you've built a great community. We've built a big community as well. And, uh, you know, spending time with like-minded people who are inspiring, who are ambitious, who are going to the next level, who are challenging the norm, you know, that is all about the growth, right, that you can have, Jim. So, so you know, I really invest in those relationships at every level, at my team level, you know, uh, personally, uh, with my family, and even looking you know even look deeper right i'm looking at my marriage and my family how can i invest in that relationship this year so that our you know we can grow even stronger together that's great that's really great stuff and i, I want to now kind of pivot to you know i've heard you mention the holistic wealth strategy so let, let's dig in and, and what what is that strategy and how does it work Absolutely, Jim. So it it all really starts, you know, with creating a vision for yourself. Just like when you go on a you know road trip, the first thing you do is type in your coordinates, right? But you know, sadly, in this day and age, we're just bombarded with so much information overload. We're always reacting to different things, uh, and we seldom actually have the time uh, to go and create a vision, right? But once you can get crystal clear clarity on what that vision is. You can break through doors, you know, you can, you, you know, you can make those tough decisions. You can do that deeper thinking, right? And I love to ask people, you know, a simple question, which is, you know, let, let's say you had a billion dollars, right, in your bank account. What would you be doing? 
where would you be and who would you be with? Right. And, and really do some deep thinking on, you know, what that really means for you. And it means something different to everyone. Right. But when you're able to think through that, then you can start creating goals, right. To start to achieve those objectives. And so we start off with phase one, which is all really about you and understanding that you are your greatest asset and having a growth mindset is critical to investing in yourself, right? Anytime I've ever invested in myself, I've achieved a hundred X return, whether I invest in my, my relationships, in my health, in my education, you know, all of these different things, right? And are you letting go of limiting beliefs? Some of these things that, you know, we all have that we were taught. We, we were taught that deferring taxes is a good thing, for instance, right? From traditional, you know, financial planning, from Wall Street and government. We were taught that investing in a 401k is a good thing. Well, you know, start asking some questions and you might realize it may not necessarily be the best thing for you. So getting rid of those limiting beliefs, you know, creating habits, creating goals that really support your vision. Um, that's what uh, phase one is all about. And you mentioned the 401k, right? And, and a limiting belief. Is that a, a good thing? And I've heard you mention exiting your 401k. Can you talk about that? I mean, let, let's get into the specifics because a lot of this is mindset, which is super important. But then when you get to the specifics, you know, what, what should we be thinking about when we're thinking about our 401k, if that makes sense? It, it is. And that's actually phase four, Jim, of, of the wealth strategy, right? Which is actually asset repositioning. Because oftentimes, you know, uh, people get excited about, okay, they finally get it right. And they want to diversify and get into some type of passive investing. But they say, okay, you know, I don't have 50K lying around to be able to do that. Well, what we want to do is actually optimize what you do have and try to look for that low hanging fruit. And uh, we've actually created a, a calculator, a 401k exit calculator. You can go to exityour401k.com uh, and download this free calculator. And you can objectively uh, type in your tax rate, you know, your, your age and project out, um, you know, what you would do. And we have a simple equation in there that's really, eye-opening, Jim, is, you know, if you take 100K from a 401K and let's say you paid the 10% penalty today, you paid 35% in taxes. So you now have a net investable 55K. If you compound that out over great opportunities such as you guys have or that are in the market, um, you know, you could potentially achieve a, a value of over 2 million, right, over 20 years. Whereas if you kept that in your 401, the 100K in your 401K, and it was compounding at a 7% return, you're just over 250K. So which scenario would you rather have, right? But I like to look at these things very objectively, right? We can all get excited about a, a, a podcast or a book or something. Well, do the math, right? And then make your own assumptions based on your own risk tolerance and see if it makes sense. For me, it made sense. I sold, I exited my 401k 10 years ago. I never looked back and I've like tripled the money ever since. And it's all been tax free as well. Yeah. And I think that's the, um, that's the interesting thing. You're right. We are trained that the 401k is good. Deferring your taxes is good. But 
objectively, right? If you ask most people today, are tax rates going to be higher or lower when you retire? Almost everyone is going to say, oh, higher, right? And if you look at the, again, objective tax rates, it is, you know, we're in, in kind of a low period uh, in historically, taxes are fairly low compared to other times. So, you know, paying the tax now and never having to pay it again because you're doing something in real estate where you, you can, you know, legally avoid taxes makes all the sense of the world. It's just hard, very hard to see your hundred grand and then in, it ends up being 55, right? That just feels like a tough hit. So how do you manage that? Because it's, you know, delay gratification, right? Okay, you're turning my 100, 100 grand into 55 and you're telling me 20 years from now it's going to be 2 million. Okay, but what do I do now? Right? How do I how do I get over that hump? Yeah, well there's another component to that thinking, Jim, right, which is I'd rather pay taxes on the seed rather than the harvest, right? So this concept that, you know, financial planners are telling us is to defer taxes. And they're telling you that that's a good idea. But the reason is, is because they make their money on an assets under management business model selling you their suite of products, right? So they just grow their fees over time, right? So it makes sense for them. But when you can objectively sit down with, you know, a, a spreadsheet, right, and calculate some things out, make some assumptions, you know, on my... When I did this the first time, I said, you know, look, I'm confident enough. I've made some other investments. They've done well. I've, I've seen this. If I can just produce, you know, similar or even less, you know, type of uh, output, then, you know, I would break even in like four or five years, right? And then I would never look back. And what happened was I actually broke even in three years and I was able to offset all the taxes by investing in oil and gas. So we, we have an oil and gas fund and 100% uh, of ordinary income or active income can actually be offset when you invest in oil and gas. So I offset all of those taxes. And like I said, I, you know, I tripled my money in that time. So, so I think just really having an objective view and having an open mind about how you look at it. And that's why we start with phase one, which is, you know, all about your mindset. Cause if you don't have the mindset, the right mindset, you know, you're, you're going to say, no, this is too risky. It's not for me. Russell Capital is an elite Ohio-based private equity firm with a specialization in long-term, high-cash flow, multifamily investments. If you're looking for long-term recurring income, you should check out Russell Capital. From their approach to managing risk, the locations they invest, the product quality they provide, this firm is serious about what they do, which is why the owners of Russell Capital invest their money in every deal they take on. Review their case studies by visiting rustbeltcapital.com. That's rustbeltcapital.com. Once again, rustbeltcapital.com or email investor at rustbeltcapital.com. Hello, left fielders. At LFI, you know our focus is on networking and education. Mark your calendars because we're going to have a full day of it dedicated to you, our limited partners at the best ever conference on April 9th in Salt Lake City. LFI is opening the BEC with Passive Investing with Left Field Investors, an event focused on passive investors. This will be where insightful content meets passionate limited partners. If you enjoyed BEC last year and the meetup in Left Field this year, then imagine them both back to back. The best ever conference isn't just any event. It's the premier conference for commercial real estate investors and operators. Your ticket to passive investing with left field investors includes admission to the entire best ever conference from April 9th through the 12th. Join us April 9th where we will have a packed agenda with sessions focused on how to be a successful limited partner 
led by experienced LPs, top operators, and partners. Then, immerse yourself in the full Best Ever Conference where you will be surrounded by like-minded investors, operators, and industry experts for unparalleled opportunities for learning and networking. The best part, and there are so many, but the best part, you won't find a bigger discount on the regular ticket price than the one you get for being an infielder. That's more content for an exclusive lower price. Register for the event today at leftfieldinvestors.com slash BEC, and we will see you at Passive Investing with Left Field Investors at the BEC. I think my question about the 401k uh, skipped us ahead, right? That was phase four. So talk about phase two and three of your, of your strategy. Yeah, so phase two, Jim, I've really created this equation around what I think you know true holistic wealth means. And it means that your net worth is equal to your mindset IQ plus your financial IQ plus your physical capital plus your relationship capital. So what I mean by that is, let's say today, you may not necessarily have the capital that you want to go invest in that next opportunity. Well, if you focus on your relationship capital, you could potentially be one relationship away from creating that new side hustle business, that new next opportunity that you can be involved in that grows your wealth, right? So are you spending time you know, with those relationships, right, that can escalate you? Um, are you spending time, what I mean by physical capital is your health and your energy. If you come to your day with 10x the energy that you have, just think about the quality of your relationships. You know, think about how you can problem solve, how you can innovate, how you can create value, right? It's massive, you know, and you look at people like Steve Jobs, right? And, you know, you could have all the, the uh, you know, dreams in the world, right? But if you don't have your health, you're only going to have one dream. Right. So focusing on that and being proactive, uh, I think is super valuable. Um, and of course, financial IQ. And that's why I really applaud, you know, what you're doing, Jim, and trying to, you know, help other people, you know, break free from this conventional thinking from Wall Street, from government, from corporate America that really wants us to think a certain way. But when you can, you know, start educating yourself on these other, you know, different opportunities that are available to you, how they work, and also other strategies, right? A lot of this wealth building is, frankly, it's all about being resourceful and financial engineering, right? How, how can you put things together? So the more you learn about that, you can actually create, you know, opportunities out of thin air without having any capital per se. So that's really phase two of the wealth strategy. All right. Excellent. So let, let's move to phase three. What, what, what are we looking for in phase three? Yeah. So in phase three, right. Um, I think most of us are always focused on, you know, the, the sexy part, which is, you know, growing your wealth and looking at opportunities, but we also want to create an infrastructure around our wealth. Okay. Because we're trying to not only grow our wealth, we want to protect you know, what we've built as well. So from an infrastructure standpoint, you know, we look at a couple of, you know, key things. Taxes, you know, taxes are your number one biggest wealth destroyer. So what are you doing to mitigate those taxes? Do you have a proactive tax strategy that's in place in mitigating those? Last year, I, I paid 4% in taxes because I have a proactive strategy and I work on it and I invest in that. Um, also, infinite banking, which 
you, you, you mentioned earlier, I'm sure a lot of your um, audience is familiar with that. And, you know, we're, we're such a strong proponent of this that we're actually licensed and help clients with this as well. Uh, because, you know, in studying the ultra wealthy, right, they look for multipliers when they invest. Okay, so it's not just about a rate of return is the value of an investment. It's all these other things that you can do. So infinite banking, infinite banking provides a guaranteed rate of return. It provides tax free growth. It provides creditor protection because it's inside life insurance. And what's amazing is it provides you with liquidity. Most investors I talk to have no liquidity strategy at all. We're all focused on passive income and that is great. But let's say, you know, like in this market, some of the real estate assets, you know, distributions have been paused or there could be capital calls and things like that. Well, where do you where are you keeping capital today? Right. So keeping it into a properly structured whole life insurance vehicle gives you that liquidity to be able to sleep at night, access that liquidity when you need it. But in the meantime, it's completely compounding tax free and working for you and providing all of these other benefits. Right. So that's really key in your infrastructure. And then lastly, what's, you know, really important again is estate planning and asset protection. Right. So wherever you are in your journey, you know, you don't want to forget about these things before it's too late. Right. Um, and so I think being proactive around them and creating this infrastructure is critical. Yeah, I think those are those are awesome points. You know, we do talk a lot about infinite banking, which is basically, as you said, you know, whole life insurance policy. Um, can you talk about how that the, the liquidity of that, right? Because how does it provide li liquidity? I know you can take withdrawals, you can take loans. Does it matter that interest rates have gone up? Does that affect the strategy and make it make it maybe less effective? Can you talk about kind of the, the li liquidity aspect of infinite banking? Yeah, sure. Okay. This is what I love about it, right? You can fill out a one page form and you can send it to the mutual insurance company and you will have a wire in your account within five business days, typically. Okay. So the capital is totally accessible. There is a loan against that. The rates to your point have increased, but there's usually a spread over what you're making with the uh, you know, interest rate of the loan, right? So if I'm, let's say it's growing at just about a 6% rate and the loan rate is 5%, right? We've got a little bit of a spread, but if I borrow that money to invest in the next opportunity, um, you know, pay for that six months of living expenses because your spouse just lost their job or something like that, right? You're still, you're not interrupting that total capital that's in there that's growing at just about 6%, right? So that is always kind of escalating and then you're able to borrow against it. And then when you have a liquidity event, you know, you pay it right back in here. And so all of these, all of the listeners out there, right? If you haven't seen the strategy, it's really amazing. So here's it. This is a rinse and repeat strategy. Basically take the passive income you're getting from all of your assets and where do you put, where are you putting that today? You shouldn't be putting it into a bank account. We even know banks are, you know, insolvent these days. So you take that capital from your passive income streams, push it into your policy to keep funding your policy. 
Then the next opportunity presents itself. You have dry powder. You go invest in that next property, right? And you just keep rinsing and repeating this thing. And you can add multiple policies. Um, and then that way, you're adding so much more velocity to your overall portfolio. Uh, and that's a great way to do it. And, and you know, we, we talk about that a lot at Left Field Investors. So let's talk about velocity, right? You, you talked about how do you reposition assets for maximum velocity and downside protection. So first, let's talk about what is velocity and then how do you reposition your assets and, and how do you get the downside protection? Okay, well, let's just look at the statistics, Jim, right? Over 90% of Americans have their capital tied up in two places. It's in government-sponsored qualified plans like 401ks and IRAs, and it's also in trapped equity in their primary residence. The, the last time I checked, the rate of return on equity in your primary residence is zero, right? So if you were to, say, take out home equity line of credit, even at today's interest rates, and I'm paying 6 7% uh, on that, and now I can take that additional capital and then deploy that into, let's say, a, a syndication or some passive investment that's cash flowing, right? I can use that cash flow to actually service the debt. But now I've also created more mortgage interest deduction that helps with my taxes. And I'm now having a 20% annual rate of return and I'm paying the 6% on the interest. So that's a heck of an arbitrage right there, right? So I think most people, if, they, if you look at your entire portfolio, they have a lot of low hanging fruit that they could really optimize. But again, it goes back to the beginning where we're under these false misconceptions that things like, hey, pay off your house is a good thing. Right. And that, that, that's the one. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think paying off your house, it might be comfortable if you're super worried about, about having a lot of debt, but it's not the right financial move, right? And you mentioned that um, the return on equity of a return on the equity in your house is zero. Can you talk about that? Because I think that sometimes blows people's minds, right? Because they're thinking, well, my the value of my property just went up 20%. How is that return zero? But the fact is, whether you have a loan on it or not, you're still getting that gain. But the return on the equity is zero. So can you dig into that a little bit more? It, it's very simple, Jim. The, the only time that you're going to realize any potential gain is when you actually have a liquidity event and you sell your house right? That's when you can realize that potential gain. And, you know, we all know real estate shifts, you know, especially the past couple of years, right? Um, it shifts all over the place and you have to net out all the expenses to sell the house and you have to purchase a new house as well, right? So I think there's some phenomenal opportunities to, again, optimize your existing portfolio. And I would venture to say that the majority of listeners out there, as educated as they are, who are listening to this podcast, still have a predominant amount of their assets tied up in some kind of 401ks or IRAs, where the government is telling you when you can access your money, how much you're going to be paying in taxes. I mean, they have a complete, you know, stranglehold on your capital, right? So, redeploying that and and you know that's another point here as well jim like not only is this about optimizing our wealth right but it's also having much more control and flexibility so that as we face this you know 
uncertainty that's going around in the news and everything, you know, in 2024, there's so much uncertainty in all these markets. Well, if you have more control in what you're doing, then you actually have more, you know, certainty and, you know, you can ride through uh, these ups and downs. Yeah. And so you mentioned it, right? There's uncertain times right now, potential crisis. Maybe we've averted the crisis. Who knows? Um, we'll find out, right? But you can't predict this stuff. So can you define kind of opportunity investing in times like these? What asset classes, what submarkets should investors be be considering? Yeah, perfect tie-in, Jim. And that's really the last phase of the holistic wealth strategy, which is building massive passive income. And it's all, you know, the way we like to look at this is building a hundred year portfolio. So we structure this uh, around real estate and private equity um, that we believe will stand the test of time, be more recession resistant. And we'd like to invest in places that have strong macroeconomic fundamentals. So real estate being a very key one, right? Where, you know, the supply and demand is in our favor in certain markets with certain products and things like that, right? So we're looking at those types of opportunities. Um, and we're also trying to diversify, right? If you go out and buy one asset yourself, you know, in then then you're subject to all of the the market conditions there, the operator, everything. You know, you kind of have too much risk. But by building a diverse portfolio, right, around different assets, again, that are diversified by operator, by uh, return profile, right, by business model, uh, by operator, things like that. So real estate is really strong. Um, we, we talked about oil and gas before. Um, I don't care where you live in the world, what industry you're in, but the demand for oil and gas is going to continue to grow for at least the next decade or so. So I want to be on the right side of that equation. And additionally, it's a hundred percent offset to your active income, right? So, you know, that is, you know, that is huge. Um, we, we've launched two different, uh, oil and gas funds this year, I think, which have been, you know, really helpful for investors to mitigate those taxes. And again, you know, one of the things that we're focusing on with these types of assets, Jim, is that we're trying to look for ways to, you know, reduce your risk and increase your upside in a three-dimensional way, right? So if you have a $1,000 worth of Tesla stock, the only thing you're hoping for is, is it's going to go up in value. But in reality, right, you know, it can go down and you're going to lose, right? But in these types of asset classes, we can actually win three-dimensionally because you've got tax efficiency component to it. You've got a passive income component to it. And you have forced appreciation where we're driving value into the asset. And that's what's creating value, not hoping for value to happen, but forcing it, right? So we're, we, we're looking at assets like that. Um, and then the last one I'll point out that might be new to some investors, um, which has done really well. Uh, for us is we have a merchant cash advance fund, um, which, you know, basically we're capitalizing on the fact that a lot of the banks have been struggling. And so uh, in merchant cash advance, you can provide uh, short term. It's really factoring to small businesses and they're typically paying about a 35 percent interest rate in within a seven month period. Uh, so very, very strong 
uh, cash flow and this type of opportunity. And it's diversified across 20 different industries. And we never take more than, say, a 5% uh, position. This is what a lot of billionaires are, are allocating a, a good, it, like 10 to 12% of their portfolio in is uh, merchant cash advances right now. I hadn't heard of that before. Can you, can you, you know, we're kind of running up against it on time here, but I'm interested. Can you talk a little bit more about the merchant cash advances and, and how does one evaluate an opportunity and, and what are, what are the risks, right? It's how, I mean, if you're getting 35% interest, there must be a lot of risk, right? Cause you're, you're paying for the, for the risk. So uh, just to give you a simple example, right? Let's say you have a pizza shop in town. And the guy's got four different locations. He's doing really well, successful. Everybody knows the place. He now wants to go and add a fifth location. But if he goes to the bank, the bank's probably going to say, no, maybe his credit score isn't ideal. Uh, it's going to be six to nine months of paperwork and bureaucracy with the bank. Um, we can actually underwrite him and he could have capital within a week. Right. So then he could go and start to put that new uh, new location online. So he's paying a, for a premium. Um, he's paying for a premium to access that capital uh, and he's paying it back, um, you know, relatively quickly. Uh, but what's good for him is that he's able to actually, you know, create that new revenue source. Uh, you know, within, let's say he builds that within nine months and now he's got an entirely new revenue stream. So it's similar to in real estate, right? Private debt or, you know, private debt and hard money lending, right? Where someone will just offer, you know, very high interest rates for a short period of time, but it's still a win-win for the business owner. And then the investor does well, obviously, because, you know, they're paying higher interest rate. In terms of risk, um, we actually think it's very low risk. And reason being is, like I said, um, we diversify across 20 different industries, transportation, retail, entertainment, you know, uh, restaurants. I mean, you know, you name it, all of these different things. Uh, we have a very strong underwriting policy in terms of, you know, who we're actually giving uh, credit to. Um, and then from there, we never take more than a 5% position in any given loan. So let's say the a loan is 500,000 to get that location up, you know, we'd only have a 5% position in it. And we have the fund has averaged for the past 6 years about a 6 to 7% default rate. And that's even through the pandemic. Interesting. Well, that, that's super interesting. I'd, I'd like to, to look into that a little bit more. Um, unfortunately, we're, we're getting out of time here. So the last question I always ask is, what is a great podcast that you listen to? You cannot say Wealth Strategy Secrets of the Ultra Wealthy because that will be in the show notes anyways. So um, if you're a podcast listener, do you have any recommendations for us? Uh, in terms of investing or just overall? Either, both. Yeah, um, I really enjoy uh, Ben Greenfield Fitness uh, on the health side. Um, he's talking about a lot of, you know, biohacking, new alternative, um, regenerative, you know, medicines, therapies, supplements, all that kind of stuff. Um, to me, I find that uh, really fascinating. Um, Dan Sullivan, uh, Inside Strategic Coach, is also amazing. He's one of the uh, top entrepreneurial thought leaders in the country. 
Excellent. Well, thank you for that, and thank you for being on the show. If listeners want to get in touch with you and learn more uh, about you and your, your group, well, what's the best way to do that? Easiest place is just to go to holisticwealthstrategy.com, uh, and listeners can actually get a free copy of the book. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate you being on the show. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Are you looking for a way to invest in a lower minimum and participate in more deals? Look no further than our weekly deal webinars hosted in collaboration with TribeVest. With every deal we offer, left field investors have the option to join an open tribe, allowing you to invest for as little as $10,000. No need to meet the standard $50,000 minimum. Joining an open tribe is easy. TribeVest handles all of the setup, fund collection and distribution, and even provides K-1s for tax time. All you have to do is sign up. Stay up to date with LFI by subscribing to our emails and gaining Clubhouse access to join our deal webinars and open tribes. Don't miss out. Visor provides investors with a secure platform that displays a comprehensive view of all of their holdings on a single holistic dashboard. From real estate syndications to private equity, crypto to traditional investments with AI-driven, unbiased, honest insights to maximize return, Visor is your one place to rule them all. Automating performance tracking, projecting future cash flow, analyzing all your financial documents and much more in one powerful solution, making it easy to follow the money. Sign up for a free 30-day trial now at Visor.co. That was a really fun episode uh, talking with, with Dave. Just so much mindset stuff in there, and, and that is, is really important. You know, Sometimes we focus so much on the tactical, what are we doing day to day? We don't have time to, to go back and, and really think about the, um, the mindset stuff. And he, he talked about how, yeah, we are all taught the same thing, right? You get through high school so you can get to college. You go to college and you do well there so you can get a good job, and you get a good job so you can have your 401k and live your life and, and do all that, and then you retire. And, you know, we're kind of programmed to take those steps and use the financial products uh, on each step of the way that uh, that make the most sense to who, us or to the person selling it to us. So that's a question you have to ask. And then he had triplets, right? And that changed his focus. And of course, adding three people to your, uh, to your family all at once, that would, uh, yeah, that would be a shock there. But he talked to his financial advisor and he did not like the advice he got. So he decided he was going to do some research and figure out the best way to support his family. And, and he found alternatives and, you know, took off from there. And one of the things he talks about is collapsing mistakes and accelerating your learning from others. And Wow, you know, Steve Sue just wrote a book about that. Um, you know, and and took his mistakes from 14 years of investing and and shared them with all of us so we can get better and learn. And that's the same thing that that Dave talks about. So I love that. And he mentioned, you know, I've heard this before. Of course, we all have the same 24 hours. So how are you maximizing it? And that does not mean go, 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 try to make money with every hour of your day. It means, yeah, do the stuff that you need to make money, but also do the stuff that you enjoy and, and makes you a, a happier or, or better person or however you look at that. And then part of that, you know, he talked about financial freedom and, you know, we've heard of financial freedom is time freedom. It's place freedom. It's all these things, but I haven't heard it's relationship freedom, freedom of relationships. And I love that idea. It's the ability to spend time with people that energize you who are like-minded, however you choose, but having financial freedom means maybe you don't have to spend 
as he said, 50% of your time with a boss that maybe you don't like because now you have financial freedom. It gives you freedom of relationships. I absolutely love that. And oddly, he talked about if you had a billion dollars, what would you do with it? That is the second time today I heard someone ask that question as kind of a framing of your mindset. If you had a billion dollars, what would you do? And it takes some time to really think of that. And would you want more or would that be enough for you? And then what would you do? And then Put that in place and do do that even though you don't have a billion dollars. And then finally, I absolutely loved his example on, on Tesla stock, right? If you buy stock of Tesla or Apple or whatever, you're really only hoping for one thing. Your strategy is, boy, I hope it goes up. Hope is not a strategy, as we all know. You know, It's unlikely you're getting dividends. Maybe you get a little bit of dividends here or there, but really you're just hoping you can sell it to somebody else for more at a later time. With alternatives or real estate and private equity, you have tax benefits, right? So you're saving money on tax. And as he said, and we've all said, tax is the biggest destroyer of wealth. It's the biggest eroder of your wealth. If you can avoid taxes legally, you're going to be in a much better situation. So tax benefits. Then you have passive income, right? The income is coming in from those real estate investments day in, day out. And you, it comes in whether you're working or not. And then finally, appreciation. And he, he called it forced appreciation, which is where you are actually or whoever's managing the asset for you are actively forcing the property if it's real estate to have a greater value. So I just love those examples. Really great chatting with uh, Dave and, and just kind of spending some time focusing on mindset. So really enjoyed that. We'll definitely uh, check him out as we move forward. That's all we have for today. We'll catch you next time in the left field. Thanks for hanging out in the left field with us today. If you are interested in becoming a left fielder, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.leftfieldinvestor.com and click the subscribe button to join our community. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe to the show on your podcast player so you don't miss an episode. If you really enjoyed the show, a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts would be appreciated. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing said on the show should be considered financial advice. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Passive Investing from Left Field and Left Field Investors. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.